0: Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Whale, let me do that this time because (laughs) we are going to talk NBA and... Boy, I don't cap the NBA very much. I follow some smarter people than I, I bet it. I like watching it. We talked about that a little off the air. I don't mind watching the NBA. I do prefer college basketball to it, but it's what we have and I love betting sports. So today we have myself and the whale, obviously. How you doing?
1: doing well andy thank you for having me on the deep Talk. So I, good to finally join this I,
0: podcast so finally, you were a big get i was pretty happy and then <laughs> along with that we have a, a new a newcomer to daily nba betting apparently but uh definitely read some good articles this week from mr locky lockerson how are we doing
2: uh i'm good this is this will be my first like serious season doing single game NBA so I had to come I had to come chat up the expert and make sure make sure I don't do anything wrong
0: yeah and we are we are cutting this close like this is it, which is kind of messed up because it's what the 15th when we're recording this normally I'm used to what November basketball is when it starts usually think, it's like but, around yeah, Halloween yeah yeah one of one of the One of the changes they've made this year and we'll talk about some of the other ones later. But uh, so as far as it goes today, I am just going to kind of ask you two questions, let you rant about your NBA betting process, ideas, thoughts, and then also right before we started to record this whale put out a tweet asking for questions. We got some amazing questions. And I, I did want to put in there, like, don't ask real specific stuff about, like, one player or team. And without even doing that, a lot of people ask some really good, like, broad, broad you know, thousand mile view questions. Those are great. We'll get to those in a bit. But uh, I think we'll just start with, like whale well, what's your process i mean let's just oh i love this start okay. right there you're, you're you're a model guy you have an yes, nba model yeah. i
2: take a nap just let me know when you're done just <laughs> <let me
0: know. laughs> yeah try, try to keep this entertaining this is yeah. infotainment so let's not get too deep but like yeah, let's say somebody to suck wanted suck to build the
1: oxygen out of the room here let me uh, take a couple deep breaths so i can suck all the oxygen out of the room well yeah um, say somebody
0: somebody wants to build an nba model and start yeah. using it
1: for you no, know this is a great placing single game is, bets yeah, so a couple of uh, key, couple of key points here. First of all, I love the idea of this like NBA season is starting rather than try to pretend like you know we're gonna be able to paint a picture of what's gonna happen over like the next eight months. Uh, I like the idea of instead of uh, you know focusing a little bit more on strategy for attacking certain markets and for attacking da- daily uh, uh, daily handicapping, um, NBA season is a freaking grind. The regular season will grind you up and spit you out. Uh, we were talking a little bit in the preamble, why aren't there more people that are doing this daily? I, I honestly think it's it's so uh, much more intensive than weekly football um, or even baseball where it's daily, sure, but you know you have three games in a row that's the same teams. Um, NBA is becomes a little bit tougher because there are so many move, moving parts. Uh, no teams are playing back to backs uh, against each other, so you have to recalibrate things every you know every day. Um, and finding sides and, you know, totals to, to support over the course of the season can really wear you down. Um, in years past, I've tried this where I've bet a lot of, uh, regu- you know, game by game NBA over the regular season. And it's been painful and hard and you go through long losing stretches. And last season was the first regular season where I actually... Uh, finished positive units for the regular season. But I used to tell myself, like, it was important to do it. Oh, thank you. Is that a nice golf club? <laughs> nice golf club. Uh, but yeah, it, I convinced myself, like, hey, I want to bet the playoffs heavily. Like, I really am going to get way into the. I was like, I'm. I'm gonna go ankle deep in the playoffs. I'm gonna be putting out some serious bets in the series and and game by game. And if you don't bet the NBA during the regular season, then it's really, really difficult to anticipate how certain coaches and how certain teams are gonna deal with the adversity, how they're gonna adjust to. Uh, you know, having, you know, being a couple of games up, a couple of games down in the series and in the playoffs, that's everything. You really desperately need to understand how teams are going to, uh, you know, what adjustments they're going to make and how effective those adjustments are going to be. And if you skip the regular season, then you have a very difficult time doing that in my experience. So that's kind of the two two minute pitch on why to even bother. Um, if you can do well, if you can construct a good, you know, good handicapping process and and you know, use a you know, refine a model that's useful. Um, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to make more you know, make money over the course of the regular season. Um, but to be completely candid, like I'm definitely still a learner in this process. Like I definitely do not have a war chest of angles and tools and and uh, and background like I do in the NFL. Like you know, the there I've been betting the NFL. Long enough now that I've just loaded up my you know, my war chest of tools to attack it NBA I'm like maybe 30 to 50 percent of the way there Um, But modeling is a huge component of that I really really like to have some kind of numerical projection on what the game score is going to be and to do that is pretty simple for me I take efficiencies team level efficiency stats. I I recognize that if you are doing player level modeling for the NBA you are probably going to be able to garner a better edge on a game than I am but I just and you probably have... <laughs> have a lot of time <laughs> you probably have a lot of time that's a great point time is, is, is very valuable in this uh, but yeah if if you're doing player level modeling and you're projecting how many minutes players are going to get and what you know what how rotations are performing offensive and defensively and you're incorporating that directly as opposed to subjectively which is kind of what I'm doing then you're probably going to be beating me over the course of the season in terms of winning money in the NBA. Uh, I like looked at, I like to look at team level, uh, efficiency on offense and defense and team level pace. Uh, pace is the number one most important factor you need to incorporate if you're going to be betting totals, uh, and offensive efficiency matters about twice as much as defensive efficiency based on what I've seen in the the data. Um, And uh, yeah, so basically, if you have an offensive efficiency, that's simply how many teams this offense scores per 100 possessions and you know about how many possessions you're going to get in a given game, then you can pretty well figure out You know what that team's score is going to be and if you can project team scores for your two teams you make your adjustments for situational factors like are they on back-to-back road games is their fifth road game in seven nights is this you know a particularly tough place to play like at altitude in denver utah or with uh, a crowd that gets on the refs and they get you know they they get an advantageous whistle like in boston uh, or you know, or a place where they have especially soft rims, uh, and you know, they they tend to see higher three point percentage for any given team. You, know, you can you You're can incorporate into those tweaks. Lefty
0: wasn't all territory. Walking <laughs> the courts, feeling the rims on. Yeah, right. So
1: you can go through the uh, you can go through all those and make your tweaks uh, beyond just having a solid baseline and then tease out an advantage that way. And you did. Uh, you did yeah.
0: tweet out. A, you did tweet out an article you'd put out before with kind of a a soft baseline for building a model and i yes. probably encourage people to take a look at that that's a good it's easy maybe it's easier if you're looking at that too when you're starting to build a model that that's an actually a really nice way to start out i suppose if, if you do want to do some statistical modeling for especially i think you're right especially with totals and uh, uh i know we were going to talk a little more on some season-long stuff, especially since that's kind of what you concentrated on. But now you have me curious, Lockie. You said you're going to dive in. You're going to be doing single-game betting, and it's not something you've done in the past. Do you have a game plan?
2: Uh, Sure. So, I mean, I think with... Yeah. (laughs) What if I just said no and just quit? No,
0: all right, back to you, um, will
2: Be like, well, now that you (laughs) probed me and figured out my weaknesses. So, basically... Uh, with college football, like there, I think there's, there's like certain concepts that can apply to a lot of different sports and I'll probably be applying some of them to NBA and I'll be curious sort of what ends up producing successful results and what doesn't. Um, I think like one, one thing that's really important is, uh, you know, not measuring success, especially in a month or two months or three months or a season by wins and losses necessarily, uh, more by like things like closing line value and stuff like that, where, You know, are you getting the best number every time? When are you betting? Uh, You know, like, how are you calculating your edge? Do you think, like, that you're doing a good job of that? Like, if you're answering those questions really well, then, you know, like, I just had probably the most, you know, not difficult, but uh, I had probably my most losing college football week of the season on Saturday. Uh, I think I went six and 10 and in like 14 of the 16 games I had closing line value and in like 10 of them I had like m- like two or three points or more of closing line value and it was just like uh. un- it was just unbelievable where and I even as the games were happening you I mean because you know like you get if you're watching the games like obviously with college football I test you get a feel for for what's happening and like where the game seems to be headed and just it it all felt wrong really from the really from the beginning. Um, but that's that's sort of getting off topic. The some of the cons. So you know, obviously, like measuring how well you're doing uh, ne- doesn't necessarily mean wins and losses. I mean, like obviously, you'd like to be winning more than losing. But there are other ways to measure sort of how you're doing. And then the other thing is, you know, like if you're putting data into something, a statistical model or whatever, whatever your process is. Uh, if it's model driven, that's probably better. But you know like we're all a lot of us are amateurish with this and just trying to learn and get better so whatever you're doing whatever you, whatever your your model or whatever is spinning out just understand like not just that it's spinning out something but like understand what you fed it and like why what you fed it might be giving you a certain you know certain uh, calculation so like in college football this happens all the time with so few games you'll get a spread projection and then a lot of people might just take that spread projection and kind of run with it and be like, all right, cool. You know, like this team is minus three, I'm getting minus seven. That means that like, I have to bet on it at three for this amount, whatever. Um, But really like strength of schedule and like who those teams have played, especially in college football is going to contribute a ton to the readout that you get. And, you know, if a team has played atrocious competition, uh, obviously that might end up affecting the number that you get. I think in the NBA, like, recent form, so, you know, team's last 10 games, last 20 games, as we go through the season, might give you a more accurate picture than the entire season long stuff, so I'll be doing a lot of, like, sort of, uh, you know, like, ranges of last 5 games, last 10 games, last 15 games, but also understanding, uh, you know, where were key players injured for three or four of those games? Uh, Were they in the middle of a road trip? What was the winning percentage of the opponents that they played? Like if you take a 10 game sample of like the Raptors and Kawhi missed six games and they played the Warriors, Houston and you know, whatever Philadelphia, then obviously you're going to get a different readout than if they played all 10 games at home, Kawhi played all 10 and they hosted the Pistons. You know, it's just like, you're just you're going to get different stuff, and just understanding wh- understanding why you're getting the different stuff is is also important. Like it's it's not enough to just put numbers in and get a number, although that's mm-hmm. part of it. And the and the system that you design, depending on how intelligent it is, will go a long way to determining your success. But one of the skills that you also need is an ability to look at those numbers, understand what gave them to you, and whether they are and you know kind of and to a certain extent whether they're to be trusted or to be disregarded or are they, are they being trusted by people who are setting the market? Are they, you know, is there an opportunity where the market believes that these numbers are sort of consistent but you see an angle where maybe they're actually not being mm. computed accurately or something like that. That's sort of like the next level of that level, right? So there's always like, there's all this meta of like, how is everyone getting to the numbers that they have? Why are numbers moving a certain direction? Like for example, the game tomorrow night, like Sixers money came in today randomly. Um, so I think it was like five and a half, 24 hours ago. And then at least I just finished a write up for Action Network. I think it was four and a half in a couple places. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, and I, I had somebody text me and be like, "Hey, like, what's going on?" I was like, "I don't see any injury stuff. Like, it's been super quiet for both teams because we kind of, I mean, unless Ben Simmons' like neck really aggravates him tomorrow morning, we we have a pretty good idea who's playing and who's not playing. Um, so it's just kind of interesting." To just you know why why is the number moving this way in, in football maybe you have a better read but I'm kind of I'm going on and on and on but the, to get back to Andy's question the there are some concepts that kind of work in everything and it's more about the tools that you have and just applying them to whatever sport you want like they kind of they work with everything it's just understanding maybe some of the nuances of the game
0: but, yeah, yeah that, that and so much where you when you started talking about the you're rolling five and ten games and putting context to something because that's that's the second step. I mean, anybody can look at a team's form and kind of do a soft analysis of that. But once you start digging in a little more, that's where you're probably gonna start to see like why your numbers are saying certain things. Because you can, if you don't go take that second, third step and start digging a little deeper, you can have you can have some numbers that are gonna lie to you and that's gonna be a problem when you go to the window.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: I mean, it's, it's, I, something, that's something about modeling that's always bothered me and it's it's such a silly like qualm, but like people who do college football or college basketball modeling, let's say you know it's uh two teams and the line comes out as minus three and that agrees perfectly with your numbers. You'd have made the line minus three. The assumption is you have a really good feel for those two teams. What if what if you're off on both teams by six points and you just, you just, you just happened to yeah. be off on those two teams on that week? Like, like you really got to stay on top of stuff like that. If you are doing modeling power numbers or anything like that, just to, to make sure everything is kind of in alignment and comparing it to results. So, uh, if we had a, and in, this is kind of going into the,
1: go ahead. Actually in, in that, I want to uh, say something in that vein. And this is something that helped me out a lot. The first year I bet NBA daily, but it was kind of exactly in you know what to what you guys are talking about, which is providing context to the results that you're getting. Uh, it's worthwhile doing this in every sport, but in a sport where you're betting daily, maybe no more important. Uh, and that's just kind of as you go back and you fill in the results for the night before, and okay, grade your wins and losses on. You know, absolutely you have to be accountable and track your your performance well. Like that's just easy, easy no-brainer. You should be doing that anyway. But beyond that, if you can spend the five or ten minutes it takes to say why this won or lost or you know, qualify certain results as lucky. Or unlucky. I mean, if you hit an over and it's only because the game went to overtime, like you need to make sure you are keeping track of those sort of things because the ball ball's going to bounce your way, you know, toward you or away from you, you know, the same number of you know, presumably 50 50 over the course of the season. um And so, you know, it's, it's always been interested to me to ask people who are handicapping NBA daily, like, oh, how, you know, how many unders did you lose because of an overtime and how many overs did you win because of an overtime? And like, it's just curious to see who kind of knows roughly, you know, how the ball has bounced their way over the course of the season, right off the top of their heads. You can kind of get a sense of how in touch people are with, you know, what their results are telling them about the league. Um, And NBA, it's super important. And a lot of my angles and how I kind of adapt my process is not static from November to April. Like I'm specifically trying to get ahead of certain things that happen good and bad over the course of the season uh, and incorporate them directly into the handicapping process uh, over the course of the season. And all that is born out of like learning things the hard way through years past and kind of keeping track in a journal, basically like, hey, the week before the All-Star game, uh, you know, everybody's on vacation. Right, like yeah. maybe, you could lose, yeah.
0: lose your password for the book that week.
1: Exactly, yeah, exactly. Or like, like, hey, guess what? Like, you you know, it's weird that like around Martin Luther King Day, like the total, you know, every team just tends to start going bananas. Offensive efficiency, like, what is up with that? And like, you dig into it a little bit, and you're like, whoa, like the star player on every team has just like gone. above his production out of freaking nowhere. Like what is going on? And then the news cycle two days later, they're like, okay, they've made final decisions on rosters for the all-star game. And you're like, holy shit. Like these guys were all like pushing hard and hustling hard, you know, who are kind of at the top level of their team to try to get an all-star spot to trigger bonuses, all that sort of stuff. And so, like you kind of pick up those micro trends that tend to influence things over the course of the season just by kind of doing a very careful evaluation of what's working and what's not working for you. Uh, And so that's something I highly recommend and and, uh, glad that you brought that up.
0: Yeah, that, that martin luther king day thing why didn't you tell me about that last year <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's a nice little nugget it was that, a holiday might, he was busy you know? yeah,
1: that's a good, good nugget so. yeah you you were sleeping off a hangover from the vikings beating the uh the saints man oh,
0: oh god yeah. that was that was the best deep dive we ever did because i was like live <laughs> in my car because i couldn't hear anything in that bar um You just think it was the best one one. you
2: ever did. In reality, it was just you like slurring your speech (laughs) and falling over. But in your (laughs) head, it was just golden tongued and (laughs) perfect.
0: Me me trying to talk. Um, We do have some questions on regular season win totals. And I guess I want to read this one. Just not only because I like it, but it's the top one in my notifications right now. (laughs) And it's what I wanted to get into next. It says, when analyzing regular season win totals and when does it become more profitable to hold off and just find spots game to game? For example, so many reasons to fade the bulls this year, no marketing, no defense, but seeing heavy juice under 30 and a half. Is there more value to try to isolate specific games or not? And I know Lockie, you've done a bunch with regular season win totals, not only answer this question and see if, if you do have an answer, if there, I don't know if it's black and white, but kind of talk about like the process you use to, put together your season win totals for the year
2: sure so uh i'll actually i'll answer the question for well yeah i'll answer the question first i think that's the easiest thing to do and i actually have it's funny that it's actually really funny that's the team that was used as as an example because i think i have three different bets on chicago under at different numbers uh and 30 and 30 and a half it actually because it's part of the the thing saying oh it's juiced there's like a common misconception i think about What juice means actually I heard this on Bill Simmons win total podcast and it kept driving me crazy when he was like Oh, you know 30 and a half unders minus 130 So there's been a lot of action on the under and it's like that's not actually what's happening Like that number was 29 and a half and they're raising it in increments and part of raising it in increments is rather than raise it a Full half win you can raise it a full half win, but stagger the juice. It's like going halfway there almost Um, It's like almost like 0.75. So anyway, uh my answer to the question is I'm I'm going to if I if I like an under and it's unless the juice is astronomical the Knicks under I think was like minus 200 a couple times last week um <laughs> unless it's like really 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 crazy considering how long they're holding your money to um I'm going to take the under every time and part of that is obviously I'm not an experienced single game better but also like through what criteria are you trying to figure out what the spots are to take this team and to fade this team like the idea if you're if you're good enough that you can identify a lot of spots during a season when a team is definitely winning or definitely losing, then you are in the mar- wrong market, my friend. Like you should be betting yeah, right. single
0: games that was forever exactly what I and was making
2: say. treasure chests of money off of it. Yeah. So I think like I'm not good enough to be able to pick those spots. I think few people are. So as a result, like in the aggregate, I think it's just all going to add up to a certain, you know, record at the end or a certain range of records where the number is not sort of in the right in the right neighborhood. So uh, my process is pretty straightforward and I'll try to go through it pretty briefly. Uh, one thing that is not a part of my process really in a meaningful way, uh, and this is sort of something that's really annoyed me about a lot of the total podcasts. There's been so many of them that have come out the last couple weeks. Uh, and so you just add, <laughs> add us to the list, just throw us in the queue. Next, the other ones. <laughs> so, um, last one, we're the best not least. ones by far. Right. So we haven't even talked about win totals yet. We're at Atlanta, the Atlanta so, Hawks, Atlanta, right? Hawks. Atlanta, uh, <laughs> Atlanta's uh-huh. gonna be
1: terrible. Uh, so, okay, under, I'm seeing, it. uh, okay, sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, But so like the, the, the number one defining criteria of whether you make a win total bet should not be how many t te- how many wins the team won last season. That's like and that's all you're hearing from all of this content, and it's, like, infuriating. Now, there's an argument to be made if you say, all right, this team won X many games last year. They had the win expectancy of this number of games. They didn't change anything on their team. All of these other variables actually stayed pretty much the same. There are very few teams for who that's the case, by the way. Uh, I guess, like, Miami would maybe be one of them, provided they don't trade anybody, but that's a little up in the air. Um and just, you know, that's that's sort of an argument that I would buy where it's somehow the market isn't reflecting that this team actually played like a 30-win team or a 35-win team and they won a lot more games than that. So like that kind of argument I think is viable. But just the idea that you can base a win total off how many games a team won the year before is pretty funny when you think about like how many variables are changing constantly all around the league that you could somehow encapsulate a team's performance and be like, well, all the other things are constant. And they won 28 games last year, so the number is 29. It's just you can't think like that. There's so many things that are cha- that have changed. Like you almost have to start from scratch all over again. So one of the things that I would recommend doing is doing a projection using last year's results, but also like counting obviously like a lot of there's roster change on every team. Uh, try to figure out a rough projection for offensive and defensive efficiency for that team. Uh, and then once you do that, that can actually usually correlate to a certain number of wins uh, or at least like a, you know, you can get like a rough range, basically. Uh, the other thing, I, you know, that's like a number one. So, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who thinks Utah is going to be really good. Uh, I think they were second in defensive efficiency last year in like middle of the season. Like I think their defensive efficiency could actually go up or sorry, could get better. Uh, and I think their offensive efficiency can get better, you know, for X, Y and Z. Mitchell getting a year older, better health. Uh, You know, Exxon's going to play the full year, continuity, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, like there's the reasoning can't just be rooted in the win number. That's all I would say. Uh, So, you know, figure out your offensive and defensive efficiency kind of projections and then also figure out uh, imbalance for conference because a big part of the win total that I'm not sure people fully grasp. I think they kind of get it is, you know, everybody says like, oh, the West is so much better than the East. It's like, okay, well, that's true, uh, but that's not everything. Part of the West being better than the East is that you play the teams in your division way more. You play the teams in your conference more than the teams in the other conference, Um, like stuff like that. And for certain Western conference teams, that's going to be way worse. Like if you play in the Northwest, you're basically playing all of your division games against playoff teams, which is pretty rough. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you play in the Atlantic, it's actually not awesome because you're playing half your games in division against the Raptors, the Sixers, the Celtics, which if you're one of those three teams, you're playing a lot of games against the other two. So depending on what division you're in, that actually matters a little bit. Like if you're in a division with three tanky teams, uh, this was why like playing in the Pacific used to be incredible for a little bit because there were three awful teams in the Pacific forever. Um, so like it just, it make it makes a difference and knowing what division your team plays in, who they're actually playing. Uh, The last thing I would say that I actually, I think is important. uh, Some people might say it's hard to figure this out and should be disregarded, but I care about in the last 30 games of the season, how many teams are you playing that are nine times out of 10 tanking for draft position? I think there, you have to be, it's dangerous to put too many teams in this discussion. I think putting more than five is probably a horrible idea to start with, but if you're playing, the knicks or atlanta or phoenix or sacramento and we'll just start there and we'll end with those teams right now uh because there's sort of an argument to be made for some of the other teams with low win totals if you're playing those teams more in the last month of the season than everyone else is then i'm interested then i'm more interested in that than than something else so like i think Uh, that's just last 30 games schedule sort of goes under the radar when we do if we end up doing a podcast with second half win totals uh those get put back up on a bunch of sites right. and those are the the, that. those are the softest yeah, right. things in the entire world uh yeah. memphis la- memphis was incredible last year i wish i had the number written down the story would be so much better but basically uh memphis at the all-star break had basically made it clear the knicks were in the same situation both of these teams had had like reasonable levels of success by that. I mean, maybe they won like 35 to 40% of their games going into the all-star break, but they had made it clear that it was like total shutdown. Like Gasol and Conley were not coming back the rest of the year. Like Porzingis was out the rest of the year. The goal of these teams was to lose. And, the win totals that were projected definitely did not reflect that opinion. Uh, I think Memphis had a projected win total that implied they would go like two games below 500 in the second half, and they ended up going obviously like 17 games. Well, if I think they lost 15 games in a row at one point. So just understanding like the sort of the magnetic or the magnetism of teams being drawn to good and bad polls and who teams are playing in the last month of the season, like does matter. Like I'd rather be playing Atlanta in April than playing them right now. I'd rather be playing... I mean, I think Chicago is going to be terrible. I'd rather be playing Chicago late in the year than Chicago now, um, especially with some of the injury concerns that they have. So, you know, just those are, I think, some of the things that I would think about. Those are pretty easy things to do. You know, come up with your own projection, kind of if you want to use last year's efficiencies, great, and just make some small tweaks for, you know, who they added and whatever, and then figure out conference imbalance, who they're playing, and then who they're playing in the last month of the season. I think you can end up getting some projections and some numbers that are, off enough from what the market has that they are worthy of making a bet.
0: You you bring up a good point in the schedule, and that as again, I'll make this quite clear. I am not great with uh, the NBA; it's not my favorite sport to bet. It's not by far a very good sport for me to handicap. But I think if you took the average sports fan and kind of asked them about how the NFL schedule is made, they'd have half an idea. I mean. 90% of people could tell you just how it works as far as playing your division teams twice. And then you play one of the divisions and based on, you know, you're your finished last year, you're playing a first place schedule. I don't know if there's nearly as many people who could tell you how an NBA schedule breaks down as far as how many times you play people in your division, how many times you play people in your conference. And I'm saying that because I don't know. Like, and that, that, that's hugely important. Like that really hit me as you were talking, as far as when you're betting those win totals, you got to look at, you know, not everyone has, it, it seems like you'd have more of a balanced schedule compared to everybody else because it's such a big sample size compared to say the NFL or NCAA football. But there are going to be teams that just have rough schedules based on the divisional alignments. It's and true. yeah, that's definitely not something I had thought about. Yeah,
2: I mean, if I could, uh, if I could respond just to the first part of that, and then um, I can, I can go through like the the nuts and bolts of NBA scheduling. And people, that stuff's like readily available, so people can probably find it. Basically, uh, the your conference opponents are actually not equal. There's some conference opponents you play more than others. That's how they get to 82 if you're doing the math, and it doesn't work out. But I believe you play everybody in your division four times. Uh, you play everybody in the other conference one home and one away, and then the rest of the conference is sort of you play some teams. Uh, more than others, basically. But the, the even just if you know the division thing and the conference thing, like you're going to be better off than than if you don't know that. But just to respond to something you said about the NFL, I think one thing that's dangerous with the NFL that we do too much. I think I talk about this all the time. Actually, uh, I think we're just atrocious at figuring out who's going to be good in the NFL every year as a as a nation. Um, and <laughs> one way that's reflected is that this NFL schedule release has become this like national holiday where we like break it down from every conceivable oh. angle, mostly because we're just starved for NFL content. Like, it's I, I don't even remember when... It, I don't know when it comes out because I don't care. I think it comes out in May, maybe, or something. But, like, when it comes out, it's, like, eight-hour show devoted just to, like, every team and who made the playoffs last year and, therefore, this team has... Like, we really want to put a label on a team schedule in the NFL, which I think is just crazy because if you have no idea which... All the 32 teams, if you have no idea who's going to be good and no idea who's not, then... Like, what? how are you possibly quantifying how difficult someone's schedule is? It makes absolutely... (laughs) The playoff teams change that much year to year. If all that stuff happens, like, okay, like, maybe we had some idea the Patriots and the Rams were going to be good coming into the year. Maybe those are two teams where it's like, okay, the Patriots just historically win double-digit games every single year. They, like, break the rule of we don't know who's going to be good in the NFL and the Rams have the most talent by far. Okay. Even if I grant you those two teams after that, the idea that we just like, know, like the idea that the dolphins would have four wins right now or whatever they have, like that kind of stuff is just like silly where in, in contrast to in the NBA, like the win totals are actually pretty close. Uh, I don't have the data in front of me, but I did something on when teams are expected to win 50 games, which is sort of like this magic number to have your team, uh, to have your best player win the MVP award, you sort of have to win at least 50 games every year. When win totals get set at 50 games, how do teams do, you know, at hitting that number or not? Like, do they finish close? Are they, is there nowhere close? So basically in the last few years, almost every team that's had a win total projection near 50 has been around 50 wins or more. Uh, It just, the teams we know are going to be good in the NBA are going to be good. Like, that's just true. The only team that really kind of went out of whack last year was Philadelphia. I think their win total was like 40 or 38 or something, and obviously they won I think it was like 52 games or whatever. They,
0: yeah. but like and, they, and they exceeded it drastically. We've been over that. In the NFL a little, just because and I think, it, again, it is a Uh, maybe sample size is the wrong word, but maybe it's not as far as things will even out over a bigger, a bigger total of games. Sure. Like in the NFL, you have a couple down Sundays, all of a sudden your, your win totals dicked or, you know, an an injury. If it lasts a month, that's the quarter of your season in the, you know, in the NBA, it's just maybe, maybe one guy isn't quite as important sometimes where I can definitely see that, like, what Lloyd Lockie says makes just intuitive sense as far as things lining up closer to the win totals in the NBA over a bigger season like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think, uh, like, like, I think it's a, it's like a little predictive almost. And, sure. and in the NFL, it's like we know this exact opposite is true in the NFL and that uh, what they offer you is a price to sell off the key numbers on win totals. You take the plus money every time because they don't know any better.
2: Right. And I think like in the NBA, this is probably true. I mean, I don't do as much baseball, but I would imagine something like this is true for baseball. We've gotten really good at figuring out how, like why teams are good. And then therefore who is going to be good? Like, we're really good at that as an internet or whatever, or as a culture. And you know, we when teams that we think are going to be like in the NBA, it's much easier to figure out who is going to be good because it can be driven so much by one or two players. Whereas in football, it's, borderline impossible to figure out before the year who's going to be good. Now, once we actually start getting results and data and, you know, in college football, you have recruiting and talent and stuff like you can start to form like a picture, but you know, in the NBA, we like, we're pretty good at it. So even though in the middle, maybe we don't have a really good idea. Like if there are 10 teams with win totals in the forties, we don't know exactly how they're going to finish. They might all finish in a completely random order at the top and the bottom. I think we're actually pretty good at it.
1: Great, great point. It's a great point. Um, I you know and and you know we we talked about in the preseason how do you approach betting the NFL win total market and in that you, you, this plays exactly into that. Uh the win totals are so you know they are not predictive. They are more wrong than they are right and you can legitimately close your eyes throw darts and make money by betting the alt totals with the plus money. And it's the opposite in the NBA and I tend to stay away from betting win totals in the NBA just you know because I want to put that bankroll to work over the course of the season, and uh, and I feel like you need a bigger edge. You need like a good like four or five win edge to really make it worthwhile in the NBA, and those are tough to come by, and they disappear quick. You know, the ones that are you know the 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 win totals that are hung that are not sharp get you know they get adjusted very quickly, Um, and uh, so it's it's a really tough tough market to beat in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like the the thing I would say is, you know, there's the people that sort of eat up the the initial numbers and sort of get them into a spot where it's it's at least sort of in the range of of where it makes sense. Um the other thing that I think people don't necessarily do, uh well they this is gonna sound weird, they do it and they don't do it, is reacting to news that is meaningful and news that is not meaningful. So, you know, the the Jimmy Butler thing I think is the most interesting example of this where it's like what what i think that news made people do was think they were getting an edge on timberwolf stuff when maybe they weren't getting an edge on timberwolf stuff because we had very very incomplete information about what was happening
0: yeah there's a million there's a million different things that could happen there right so nobody like the, there's nobody knows like that that's just oh that's trouble in paradise i better bet that under because that under dropped
2: it was uh it was uncertainty that i think could be equally positive or negative it was just uncertainty uncertainty which there's a lot of people who would probably say there's a lot more bad outcomes that can happen here than good outcomes um but i just i don't know i actually don't even know if that's true i i don't i don't think we can like quantify that so that to me there's just incredible uncertainty and i think sometimes that type of uncertainty drives people I got to log into my site right now and like bet this Timberwolves under before they take it down because I'm getting such a good deal. Like when there's incomplete information and uncertainty, like to me that should actually steer you toward like a no bet as opposed to like I must go bet one side of this because I have a huge edge. So like the, the a lot of the bets that I'm interested in making are bets where like I know everything about the team and there isn't a lot of uncertainty. Uh, the one exception to that I think is... The Thunder, I think, is the one exception I would say to that, Uh, only because I liked the under before the injury stuff they had, and now, obviously, if Westbrook has a knee that is apparently he's not going to play opening night as of right now, and Roberson's not going to be even evaluated for two more months, like, to me, that's, like, just icing on the cake. Like, I already like yeah. the under anyway. Like, those yeah. are those are just extra things that aren't even – honestly, like, the Thunder win total maybe has moved 10 cents. But, like, the idea that Westbrook is going to miss games and Robertson's now maybe going to miss the whole season, which I think yeah, is a that, reasonable possibility.
1: Yeah, uh, I think you nailed it. That's one of the most important yeah. injuries, and no one's really talking about it. Uh,
0: and sure. I, liked, I liked what you said about uncertainty. It's like – uh I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe it was Thuail. Somebody else asked me about the game tonight. And there's just so many injuries for, like, key positions on both sides at a big number. Like, it it was such a stay away, like, the the NFL game, the Packers, 49ers. You're probably over by the time you listen to this. But the uncertainty just drove me away. It was, like – all over on both sides of the ball or I'm like, I want no part of this because I have no idea what these teams will look like with all these players banged up and all these players missing. I'm like, I'm just going to watch it and cheer for, uh, Cheer for some, maybe a live angle, which I, I liked what you said too with the the second half win totals. Maybe that that might uh, that might definitely happen. We might have to look for that whenever those pop. I suppose I'll oh, yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: I can't wait for that already, I'm, I'm already kinda, like, like you got
0: me all pumped because you like those are so soft. Yeah.
1: I do see people. I do. I do well, see that people. I am not
2: gonna be soft anymore. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, I, I do it's see people taking
1: go. those. So. Yeah. Um. You gave away a couple of good secrets. This podnip may never make air. We'll see. Yeah, this right. might never. <laughs> We're gonna finish it, and
2: I'm gonna be like, you know what, guys, we gave away too much. I think we it's gave just away too time. much. Shut,
1: shut yeah, it down. Yeah, just go bet yeah,
2: these yeah, markets, yeah. and let's make some money. So, yes.
0: and you know, with, with with Lockie saying, too, I just uh, uh, the first question that came through really hit me. Um, and you know, you said you didn't do single bet season or single game bets last year, but still, I think you'll have something to say with the the shot clock rule. Does does that mean? Yeah, the, any the difference? reset on offensive
2: rebounds. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the offensive not, not full offensive. reset. Sorry. Yeah, the, the yeah. Does so that on. does uh, that? What what's I mean, your
0: take on that? As far as I mean totals totals especially. I think.
2: Yeah, like I mean, I guess uh, you know, like I I haven't done the full calculation. I'm like, all right, if if it resets to 14 instead of 24 on an offensive rebound, then how many extra possessions is that worth during a game? Uh, I I would actually be curious what the answer to that is. I mean, like a few for sure, but like a yeah,
0: we'll, f- we'll find out a,
2: v- a very meaningful number like i i don't know uh and then i mean i think every year every season sort of takes on a life of its own from like a pace offense standpoint part of that's just because of like what end up being the rules of emphasis that they call every year uh and like the officiating i think that sort of ends up in addition to the rule changes that ends up driving a lot of sort of like the the narrative of each season of like, was this a season where, you know, like in the NFL this year, scoring is completely crazy because of the rule changes, because of how receivers are sort of officiated over the middle and quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, like, what is what is this season going to be about from an officiating storyline standpoint? Like that could end up driving a lot of the numbers too. So I think it's like, I think it's a similar situation where it's just it's more uncertainty and it's uncertainty where like you're there's gonna be more possessions it's just i couldn't tell you how many more there's going to
1: be hmm. Hmm. interesting
0: well, well you got a take on it
1: uh i have
0: i, I, I can buy that i mean it, it's, yeah
1: i i've made you'd have to be yeah, doing
0: yeah. some high level math to figure out before like we'll fi- it's one of those things we'll find out but by the time we find out the bookmakers will also know and you feel like they'll uh, probably even be a step ahead of us and they'll have yeah. it adjusted. If, if there is a difference, it'll be adjusted
1: already. Yeah, From my uh, my gut level is that uh, it takes about 10 games to get meaningful data, really, on any of these teams, at least. So like the first 10 games, you literally are basing the entirety of your projection on priors, uh, some of which will be right and some of which will be wrong. Uh, and one of the priors I have in the model going forward this season to account for that is a two percent increase in possessions. I'm just basically stating blankly like this is my best case guess for what this how this rule will impact uh, the number of possessions in a game. I think it'll go up by about two percent. Uh, so if I was expecting 100 possessions before, now I'm expecting 102. That's about it. So
2: I like I think uh, and I think the other thing to keep in mind here, uh, I'm I'm guilty of this sometimes too, but I think we a don't give bookmakers enough credit with certain things, and we definitely don't give the market enough credit with certain things. That's like, true. This is not a mystery. Like if if there, it's not like there are very sharp NBA betters who game one are going to be like, oh shit, they reset the clock to fourteen. Like they're especially like you know people that are doing totals projections and betting NBA totals, the idea that they would be unaware of a change like this, like believe me, if I, if odds makers have put up numbers. That are incorrect and do not reflect more possessions. You will know it. <laughs> like you're yeah, right. you're gonna know. It's not like the numbers aren't gonna go anywhere. Like
1: we saw it between week one and week two of the numbers, NFL so. preseason, right? You remember oh, the NFL a, preseason totals? Oh yeah,
0: yeah the the preseason the preseason like total from week one to two and even two to three they just kept shooting up as people were scoring. I mean that, that was what we were getting, wasn't it? They were just set way too low.
1: Yeah, they right and the 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 enforcement of the targeting rules and some of the other oh, yeah, the, some the, of the, the other refereeing getting, was really pushing those numbers high and they yeah, they had just there was some yeah the, 30s. Aver- the average total was like a good 7 points higher by week 3 than week 1 i mean it was a huge adjustment but yeah the wisdom of the crowd is something you have to be uh you have to be keen about and yeah You make a good point, Lockie. If there's a piece of information that you get in your hand and you think it is the defining piece of information, the chances that somebody had it sooner than you and acted on it and moved the market because of it are pretty good. (laughs) I think
0: think a a point that could be made is if you want to know if somebody much, much smarter than yourself who bets big money on the NBA has a strong lean on this, watch the first week. Yeah. Like, Watch the lines, watch the openers, see where they close at.
1: If you're yes, seeing, call.
0: if you're seeing some big moves and you know multiple big moves like to the overs, three, yeah. and three, and four, three and four points, three and four points, yeah, yeah. If you if you're seeing some big moves off the opener to the overs that are coming early on, where you know it's not the public betting NBA when they wake up or the night before, then there might be something to it. So that that'll be definitely something to look for, I guess.
2: Yeah. yeah, and on the flip and- side, if you're not seeing stuff move, if you see no movement, then like <laughs> yeah, don't, well right. And yeah, yeah. like my, my thing is like I I <laughs> I might as well just like have this sign framed and put above my computer. Like, don't assume you're a genius. Like that, <laughs> that should just be like I should just get like a t-shirt made that just says that on it. Because there are just so many times I think where, especially I think the more amateur you are, and I was absolutely guilty of this, where it's like you see something, and again, like you think you're the only person that sees it, or you see something and it's like you know, oh my God! I have to act on this right now, and it's just mm-hmm. again, it's just like the idea that the idea that you're the only one who knows it, but also like the idea that what you know is impactful is also maybe overrated in some cases.
1: Yeah, yeah. This brings up a good jumping-off point too for a quick story time. Uh, the um, the season, the NBA season, kind of had kind of unfolds in different ways in my mind. Like the different kind of, it's not quarters necessarily. There's like six different acts, kind of. And the second act is the one that I always struggle with the most in terms of handicapping. And it's like the beginning of December through like New Year's. And what's happening during that time window is that coaches are desperately trying to find a new wrinkle in the way that their um, offense or defense is playing to stop either... You know whatever to try to fix some problem they're all trying to fix problems in that time window and it coincides with they also are trying to now think hard about incorporating rest for key players they're dealing with injuries uh are starting to to add up um and all of it makes rosters night by night uncertain and it makes it you you start to see more variability game by game per team in performance um and so it's really, really tough to win in that time window for me for some reason, just because probably because it doesn't lend itself to be, you know, when the noise is that great, like, you're not going to get a good statistical projection. It's just not possible. Uh, and, you're, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're gonna be uh, uh, at the whim of variance for a lot more than you would like to be. Um, but another huge factor is that there are people out there that know people. And the coaching staff in the in the organization, and they get the information sooner than you're going to get your hands on it for when players or key players are available uh, or unavailable. And you'll see, like surprise, uh, Gian- Giannis is sitting tonight, and the line will move like six points, right? And you know, before you even knew it was, it happened before Woj even tweeted it out. The line already had moved three, right? And you're like, God, that's weird. I wonder why that line is moving. And then the news comes and they look up and that's moved six. And so you have some of those games where you either just have to cross them off entirely or you have to evaluate like, hey, was the original three-point adjustment what the people who are real information hawks, they found this out because they were talking to trainers, you know, at the morning shoot around and they saw Giannis like put his favorite pair of shoes in his duffel bag to pack for the road trip instead of playing for that night you know like like did someone figure this out and make you know make the line move appropriately and now it's overreacted uh, or is it now the six points was the reaction and now it's it's a correct line again and, and you just have to stay away from it And so those kind of types of things really start to creep up and really make you crazy in december <laughs> at least me Uh, And you kind of have to decide at that point if you are going to try to get on the front side of those moves, stay away from them entirely, or try to incorporate them appropriately and be on the backside projecting games once you know who all the players are that are going to be available on a given night.
0: I like that. It is funny. Like, you will see that. You'll see moves before you see the news. and. It's just, I guess, there's always people with more information. That's always how it's going to be. Even when you when you do hear something, it's funny how, like, by the time I we go back to that Hawaii-Wyoming game we talked earlier, by the time I'd heard anything about that, it had already moved to, like, a pick and, Yeah, there was, you know,
2: there was a lot of information trickling out of the islands, I guess, was what was happening. So, that was, which, like... I, you know.
0: I do love that. I do love that it's out of the islands. So, that I know was, I didn't want to That was one get of the more of,
2: amazing line moves. So that was definitely amazing. So. Love it.
0: I didn't want to get too deep in like real specific stuff. I keep saying that, but I like this one. Um, How do the Lakers make the playoffs? No is plus 250. He says Golden State, Houston, Utah, OKC, San Antonio, Denver, New Orleans, Portland, Minnesota. And I mean, I won't read the rest of it, but just that list there. Plus 250 to miss the playoffs.
2: Uh well, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Will we want to do it?
0: Uh well you, make, you go ahead. Good, or good or bad. Okay.
2: Uh so I'm first like, of I'd all, I would it. say on five dimes right now, the Lakers are plus 380 not to make it. So my number one piece of advice is if you're going to play it, shop around. But um the I think that the Lakers have been this really interesting team during the offseason. I was really curious to see what Like not necessarily what the narratives would end up being, but just like how would the win totals get bet? Like how how would people feel about this team? Uh, Just so I could then maybe like act off of that. And it's been like very, I would say it trends more negative than positive. Uh, First of all, I think that question is just a reflection of that. Uh, The idea that the questions aren't like can the Lakers win the title. The idea that the questions are will the Lakers miss the playoffs. I think that's. That's like a topic I've seen in a lot of places. There's definitely a narrative among NBA fans that this is like the year LeBron kind of takes off after the wear and tear that's been on his body for all the finals trips. They didn't sign a second max free agent in the offseason. They ideally are going to do that next summer. All of these guys are on one year deals. Like you can see the plan in place from a franchise standpoint that this year and LeBron has even said as much, I think at media day, like, you know, sort of like we're not this year's, Not this year is not important, but like we're not playing for this year or something. Or I didn't sign the. I think he signed a four-year contract. Like I didn't sign that contract, uh, or I didn't sign a one-year contract because it was about this year. Whatever you can kind of read the tea leaves a little bit. But that that all being said, uh, I think there is now with the Timberwolves sort of drama and the Spurs injuries, I think there is a like pretty good argument that these prices are at a minimum correct in terms of lakers making the playoffs like i think that from a health standpoint uh the lakers actually like come in pretty good into the season like they sort of have some like i guess what i would call like bump and bruise nagging injury guys a little bit but uh you know with their depth and stuff like that i don't anticipate it's going to be a problem you know like lonzo ball and josh harder i think are both banged up right now but it's apparently not significant like they come into the year pretty good from a health standpoint like historically they have guys uh, who have done pretty well from a health standpoint. Like I don't, I don't see the argument for missing the playoffs. Like when you evaluate the other teams that are now competing for the spot. So like the teams, like I would say I would much rather have the thunder to miss the playoffs than I would rather than the Lakers to miss the playoffs. Because like, I already know that Westbrook's hurt and I already know they have less depth than the Lakers. And I like, I already know that they're going to have to start Terrence Ferguson for like 65 games. Like I already know <laughs> these things are true. I already know Steven Adams already popped up on the injury report. Too. Like, There's yeah. a lot of bad things going on with this team that are maybe are, kind yeah. of just sort of resting under the surface right now and will become immediately apparent in the first two weeks of the season if they start yeah. like two and five. So, right. you know, to me, that's like a team where, you know, right on the eve of the season, like what, you know, almost like what is their current form before even game in game zero like the lakers to me like they at least come into the season with none of those question marks like right now that doesn't mean lebron can't take games off that doesn't mean guys can't get hurt that doesn't mean rondo and stevenson are going to get in a fight with caldwell pope or whatever like it doesn't none of that stuff we don't know any of those things that could also happen to every other team but like i i see a team like the thunder i see a team honestly like i see a team like the pelicans and i know like A lot of people are shutting down the Davis injury stuff because he's been healthy for a couple of years, but like there's another team where depth is like an absolute zero and like cannot ever sustain an injury to their best player. Like the Lakers could at least play like 400 basketball if LeBron James missed games, maybe a little better. They could even maybe be a 500 team, maybe like 45%, but like the Pelicans without Anthony Davis might be like a 35% winning percentage team. Like, I it's really bad. The depth even. of business. <laughs> yeah. Really bad. And yeah. so, I mean, I think like also the West, obviously, like the West is the better conference. The West gets a lot of credit. Like, I think when you actually go through and see these teams, and then I'll stop talking because I've been talking for like 10 minutes. When you see these teams, like, okay, like Golden State, Houston, Utah, I think are definitely making the playoffs. I think everything after that is pretty, is at least like sub 90% certainty. And the Lakers are probably the next most possible team, I would say to make it. And I also think like the assuming the bottom of the west, like as good as the West is, the bottom is still terrible. (laughs) So like, there's actually not uh, like, like Sacramento is going to be terrible. Phoenix, despite all the change is probably still going to be terrible. And I think the Clippers are probably going to be terrible, but like, because it's absolutely in their best interest to be terrible. But So, if you take those three teams out, like, are the Lakers much more likely to make it than Portland? Yes. Are the Lakers much more likely to make it than the Spurs? Absolutely. Are the Lakers absolutely much more likely to make it than Minnesota? Like, probably closer than people think, but yes. And just you just go down the list of these teams and it's like, it doesn't mean I'm going to bet them to make it. I just to me, it makes them probably like properly placed now that two other Western Conference teams have had this turmoil.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Plus 380, you said the price was correct. So that basically implies that there's an 80% chance that they make it and 20% chance they miss. So they play this season out five times. Do they miss playoffs one out of five? Uh, That's a stretch, I think. I really do. Yeah, everybody I mean, it's really makes like LeBron dependent, NBA.
2: basically. Everybody
1: makes it. <laughs> it's a stretch, it's, man. It, um, I, I like what they did with like lowering expectations uh, in all the media that they've done. I like what they did with kind of building out of uh, you know a roster that's loaded with depth as opposed to trying to concentrate on a couple superstars. Uh, I like the idea that you could see a relatively uh, kind of loose and having fun sort of you know, kind of season for LeBron as opposed to, you know, what he obviously bore an enormous weight when he was running the show in Cleveland. And now that he's, you know, now that he's on the West coast and, you know, we're living, living, living a life of uh, luxury living uh, living a le- life of leisure out here in California. Uh, yeah, you so can I mean, see a much better, ge- much better year from him.
2: Yeah. I think that like the, you know, I'm not, I'm not attempting to read into LeBron's comments at all, but I think that if you were to do that, to me, a statement like, What he's saying and what everybody kind of thinks which is like this is a throwaway year basically is the narrative that's being hyped a lot uh it's like well they know they can't beat the warriors so sign a bunch of one-year guys next year you get like a second max guy somehow and you know maybe like the warriors don't keep clay and then it starts falling apart and then you can kind of like the balance shifts a little bit um okay cool that's even if that's all true like the lakers as a regular season team like to me is completely unaffected by all of those things. Unless you really have some kind of inside information that LeBron's going to sit like 30 games this year, just because... Just because he wants to film more episodes of the shop or whatever, like whatever information you have, uh, unless that is like hardcore confirmed info from like Maverick Carter, then I'm not really interested. So, and, hey, like you know, I don't yeah. I don't want to know that he like invested in a movie studio. I don't want to know that stuff. Like Kevin Durant is like helicoptering around Silicon Valley, and we don't seem to think that affects the Warriors at all, and it doesn't. So, right, like, right. why am I you know why am I assuming that like because LeBron is now you know a car ride from a studio instead of a private jet that that's going to somehow affect the lakers again as a i think as a regular season team is the key thing here like yes when they get in the playoffs you know like where none of those guys have really like been meaningful playoff contributors, damn thing yeah, yeah right yes. yeah. like i get that i get that like okay we're not really playing for this year this is like get everyone's feet wet in the playoffs season and they lose to whatever houston or utah or golden state or whatever cool i think that's like the cop out at that point but the idea that like game to game regular season this team can't win 47 48 games like what their projected win total is like i think that's iffy let's say
1: yeah andy let me ask and, you quick
0: quick what, quick what spin gets off you here. into the playoffs in the in the western what what is the 8 seed in the west
1: like well, certainly man, even if fall that's that's really short
2: of... high high 40s for sure yeah.
1: it's yeah but yeah. like that's that's it's all i would at, say it's at, it's ball. at least 46 it's probably 48 it's
0: probably 46 47 48 so like yeah. right around their win total last year i think, think it was 47, 47.
1: so Yeah. Andy, let me ask you this. Uh, Which would you rather have if you had a a $100 free bet and you could only place it on one of these two? Which are you placing it on? Uh, The Lakers miss the playoffs at plus 380 or LeBron James wins the MVP at plus 375?
0: Oh boy. There's been just so much Anthony Davis steam on that. It's gotten into my head. I would probably do the MVP bet. It seems more likely. Yeah, it's more likely and maybe parlay that with something like the, the space jam 2 wins a oscar
2: <laughs> yeah maybe for like best sound editing or something i guess but. yeah it's just that's, awesome. oscar. that's, that's
0: animated um yeah, there you go i guess going real like you know we've gotten into some deep like high level stuff which i love but i mean this is this is for my benefit too I really want to just take 18 steps back, go to the beginning, because a couple of people just asked, like, what's what do what do you do with home court? What do you do with with rest? Like, mm. just kind of the basics of that. You know, a lot of that is it's going to be baked into the line, but how do you guys how do you guys rate that? Do you do you do it like the NFL, where you know, and there's some people that just go with the flat three in the NFL. Some people go different different games or different stadiums, different teams have different amounts. I mean, do you do anything with home field? I know rest. I mean, just playing X amount of games and X amount of days is always going to be a disadvantage. And there's a lot of spots like that. We can get into that too. But uh, I guess home court advantage.
1: So I'll go first Uh, home court. So we have a a sample size of 28,000 NBA games. Uh, and where I know what the line and total and blah, blah, blah were. Uh, Of those, the home team has won on average by 3.1 points. Uh, So there clearly is something to home court. Uh, And if you want to apply a flat three-point adjustment to account for it, if you want to add one and a half points to your home team and subtract one and a half points from your away team, that seems completely reasonable to me. Uh, I think m- my personal approach is I like to incorporate a couple other factors. I have a specific home court adjustment number for every team that I base on two things. One is, the is there a historical um, basis that your home court is better than average home court? Do I bump it up or down? Right. And that uh, there are a couple of places where that is, there is observed data to suggest this, like Denver and Utah stand out. Um, and then the other ones that stand out are surprising and they tend to correspond to teams that are better teams, which is interesting because you get into, okay, well, why would home court be better for better teams and worse for worse teams? And I think it's literally as simple as can this team take advantage of? The advantages, right? Or do they you know, do they not even have the ability to seize on what limited advantage you get from being at home? And those advantages in general are just you're a little bit more comfortable, you're a little bit more rested, you're, the fans are behind you, the fans are going to influence the way the refs call the game. Uh, and those tens of things tend to be amplified when you do have a better team playing. Uh, and so I like to look at just sort of a general strength parameter for the team in question, Uh, And if you're at the top of the league, then I'll give you more of a home court bump than if you're at the bottom of the league. Um, And then, um, you know, lastly, uh, when it comes to rest, I'm... There are first of all, this is now this is not a secret angle by any stretch of the imagination. It's kind of like the. this is like by weeks in football. Like this is this falls into the squarely into the category where if you are not accounting for back to back games, if you are not accounting for extended travel over the course of a week then you are going to be projecting numbers that are off the market in the wrong direction more often than they are not because the market is doing it already. People are making plays based on those systems and there really is little to no advantage to just simply just going out there and swinging away at that sort of stuff. Um, my, My general thought is that you can still tease out advantages on totals for teams that are on limited amounts of rest um, teams that tend to be at the top of the league from an offensive standpoint you can see if they're tired they you know a lot of times their offensive output won't be as high and you can get a good angle on the under and vice versa teams that are living and dying by defense if they're exhausted their defense isn't as good and you can get an angle on the over right that the angle the edge may not be there on the point spread but you can still sometimes tease out angles Uh, On the total based on that uh, the rest factors, but my personal way of accounting for it is simply like I will take your expected offensive and defensive efficiencies and I will manually adjust them up or down by a half a standard deviation or a full standard deviation if you're in um, a particularly bad uh, situation like back-to-back situation you maybe get a half standard deviation dock. if you're in like a fifth game in the road in seven days type of situation you'll get a full standard deviation dock. and those that helps kind of get i get you closer to what the market is doing already for these teams in terms of adjusting up and
2: down uh i have that was such a complete explanation that I can't possibly (laughs) offer anything more (laughs) smart than that. So I would like, because we're coming up on the hour mark, I would like to hijack the podcast. And I think that talking about process for an hour is awesome, but I will guarantee that there are people who have gotten to this point who go, are they going to give me any picks whatsoever for (laughs) anything? Or are they just going to talk about like Excel spreadsheets for 65 minutes? And as awesome as process discussion is, I think it would benefit and entertain our viewers a great deal if we gave out some bets so.
0: yeah you, you've right. earned it you, you ref- made it this far i i guess I, I did have one more question that kind of regarded to that but let's just do that quick let's i mean let's talk season season long wins is there something you love and granted i I, mean, I read i read your articles so
2: how much time let's, do we have uh, like an hour yeah, what, no, uh,
0: give, me, give, me, give me give me one or two that you really can make just a strong case for, and I think you kind of yeah. skip, elevator, over, skip, elevator, skip uh, over.
1: elevator. Skip elevator over. Skip over Oklahoma
0: City because you've already kind of made that case. I sure. love that look too. That Quite convinced. One of the ones yeah,
1: I liked anyway. But go yeah. ahead.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll do a few. So elevator
1: pitch for a couple.
2: Sure. So first one is one that every other person is on. The good news is an NBA win totals, the thing that everyone is on, can actually be the correct thing, and that happens a lot, which is awesome. Uh, bucks over forty-eight. Uh, So basically, like the idea here is that not only does the team go into the season with more depth and with Giannis a year older, which matters significantly uh, just for development in his game. I think that the idea of the coaching change from Jason Kidd, you know, slash Prunty to Budenholzer isn't just like an in-game X's and O's, like call plays out of timeouts, that kind of stuff, uh, where Kidd was like the absolute worst of all time like so that change will be reflected too but the idea also is just the implementation of a system which actually plays to the strengths of the players on the team which sounds like something you would read in like not even chapter one like the prologue to a book about coaching like the (laughs) the idea of that is like this thing where it's like well of course you would fucking do that so budenholzer is basically already implementing that they're playing a little faster the spacing is really good like i think These are the kinds of things that we complained about with the Bucks a lot last year uh, when they basically, you know, were to a certain extent a 500 team with talent that was so much better than a 500 team. So I think just the idea of the players on their team, specifically Eric Bledsoe, Giannis, and Brogdon, I think all have like a ton of room to improve either through developments in their game and coaching. So I think like Bucks at over 48, I think is excellent considering like how many times they're going to play really bad teams. So that would be number one. And I'll only give a couple more because that one was kind of long. Another one. (laughs) Everyone's on Utah's over and it's getting juiced like crazy. Like, I like it, but I'm going to pass for the purposes of this exercise and do a couple other ones. Um, I still like the Knicks under, which I know is like the thing everyone likes. And it was 29 and a half and now it's 28 and a half. They have the most incentive of anyone I've ever seen to be terrible. Like the goal, <laughs> the goal of their season is not winning games. They have this in common with Atlanta. The only difference is Atlanta's win total is like five and a half lower. So like Atlanta's number is just correct to me. In fact, I might even bet the over cause like, I think Atlanta, if you tell me poor Zingas does not come back for the season, Atlanta's roster is better than the Knicks roster. Like that's definitely true. And The only way it would not be true is if Knox and Robinson were immediately very impactful, good players, which with rookies is not something to rely on. So the goal for the Knicks this year is play Knox and Robinson as much as humanly possible, and Trier, actually, who had like an awesome preseason. uh, Play those guys, wear them out to get them reps and figure out what you have, and try to build a core so that you can come in and sign. So you get your, you have your lottery pick next year. You sign one max free agent, like maybe Kevin Durant, whatever. Um, Then like, so the the goal is all about building. Again, the goal has nothing to do with in the last five minutes of a game. We're trying to win this game. Like that is not the goal. They're high usage guys. Aside from the rookies are going to be Tim Hardaway Jr. And Cantor and Trey Burke. Like that. It's just, it's like embarrassing. Like they have a ton of, really what i would call like sinkhole bench guys where when you put them in the game like the plus minuses are of everyone around them are going to be dragged down like mudier has absolutely one of those players uh and by all accounts frank uh frank is definitely becoming one of those players so i think like you know they're just they sort of have all the makings of a team that's like we know they're going to be awful And yes, they're actually going to be awful for all the reasons. And like, I think Porzingis (laughs) is never coming back. So I think like those two, I would say those two are like very public win totals. Like people, a lot of people kind of think the same way. uh, And that's okay. One that I think no one is kind of thinks. uh, I like the Sixers under. This will be the last one that I do. Uh, Uh, So uh, I believe, believe it's listed at 53 and a half. So I think the key thing to remember with this team, this season is... A, how they achieved the record. So basically the record last season is like the sole thing that's scripting this number. Uh, It's that they went on this amazing run and they put up 50, they won 52 games. They, I believe they had Pythagorean wins in the mid fifties. I want to say like 54, 55. And so it's basically like, all right, well, we'll set a number in that zone again. And they're sort of like under the radar, a ton of changes, which maybe don't affect them as like a playoff team. Like I actually think long-term they're probably going to end up being a better team in the playoffs than they were last year, just because of the development of some of the guys and you hope Simmons kind of improves, you know, as he goes along in a way that he can be more productive in the playoffs. But in the, I think this team is much worse than the regular season and that's rooted entirely in the second unit of the team. So I think the idea that, so the start for people that don't sort of have like some sort of, uh, you know, like crazy memory of the Sixers roster. The starting lineup, at least in the short term is probably going to be Simmons, Fultz, Covington, Sarge, and Embiid, uh, which, you know, sort of makes sense. Uh, the idea that like Fultz would start over JJ Redick is sort of like something that people are talking about. Like, let's assume Fultz is the starter going into tomorrow night, uh, with Wilson Chandler being injured and, quote, a ways away from returning, which was the quote from like five or six days ago. And he was like their big offseason ad. Your second unit is basically some combination of TJ McConnell, Redick, who's a year older, and like arguably should start to be sort of on the downturn statistically, Mike Muscala, Amir Johnson, and Chandler. And then like, maybe you get some kind of production from Landry Shamit, but like, I'm talking about Landry Shamit. So like the idea that in a regular season, this, like, the complete ineptitude of the second unit isn't going to come through more. Remember, like, the entire run last year, the, win- the incredible winning streak that basically took them from a 500 team to 52 wins was A, against terrible competition, and B, driven almost entirely by Simmons and by Bellinelli and Ilyasova and the entire bench unit. And, like, the idea that one of those things is completely gone, not really replaced by anything, and the win total is more than it was last year is, I think, concerning and driven sort of like more by hype than anything. Uh, so I would play the under on the Sixers.
1: Nice. I dig this. All right, I got um, those all in. Okay, yeah. let me... Uh, so I, I agree with all Lockie's points, and rather than give out a winner, a couple winners, that you can cash in April, I'm going to give you some life advice that will have, help you cash over the course of the season. Uh, I like like this
0: best of both worlds. (laughs) We get the long-term investment guy, and then we get uh, Penny Stock Whale.
1: Yes. So, uh, sell pennies. This is literally like... Hundreds of pennies
0: every day, though.
1: The the NBA last year for me, the NBA last year for me literally was counting pennies, scraping pennies, finding pennies, lots and lots and lots of them over the course of the season. Uh, I think overall, I had something like 750 plays. Uh, I was betting five a day. Uh, I took Sundays off for most of the season. Uh, And um, I I decided out of the blue at the beginning of the season, like, you know what? Like, I'm projecting, you know, two and a half point edge on any play I'm playing. Like, I'm just going to sell points and see if reducing the juice helps me. Uh, And so over the course of the season, I sold eight to 10 cents on every play. That was usually about a point on any side, point to point and a half on any total. And uh, what I found was it cost me a push or a win about once out of every 100 plays. Uh, And I know this because I independently tracked my own plays with my own juice uh, and then separately used the Action Network app to just put in the sides and totals I had with the closing line at 110 juice just to see, just, just to completely complete the science experiment, basically. Uh, and the results were it was a difference of 22 units over the course of the season. Uh, the I ended up up 10 units on 700 or something plays uh, last year, and those exact same sides at or in totals at the close uh, at the standard minus 110 juice would have been 372, 349, and 5. I would have lost 11 uh, – I basically would have lost about 12 units um and so it was a 22 unit swing uh that is a lot it is a lot it is a lot is and and uh i i was kind of blown away by this i knew it in the back of my head i knew that they didn't that points in general at the books they in they price them in a way that incentivizes you to buy them uh and no i don't know that many people take advantage of the sell them uh, and I don't think that they are correctly priced at all. And so sell is, away. Uh, is there think,
0: any other books besides five, you know, not to prop up a book that we get no money from, but yeah, nitrogen, are there other yeah. books besides yes. five dimes that you can sell
1: at? Yes. N- nitrogen bookmaker heritage. Uh, yeah, bookmaker heritage. Yeah. They, for, if you are betting at a rel, re- reputable book, you should be able to sell points in the NBA. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause I know and, for,
0: you know, the public leaning books,
1: the yeah they make it tough you know, you're not people.
0: you're they, not gonna they, you're not selling
2: points. it's not no, about they want what about my they bookie want
0: can I sell, sell of points flesh. at my <laughs> bookie I have an account <laughs> they,
2: the they want their they don't, potential don't. sponsorship down the road sorry <laughs> so no, no,
1: no 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 but the uh the you know the that's, that is an important life lesson that I have with betting the NBA is selling points over the course of the season when you're talking about the volume we're talking about if you're betting daily. It definitely makes a difference. Uh, and then the other thing that I'll mention that, w- that I learned the hard way was not to live bet NBA. <laughs> it's so tempting. And you can go through some oh, incredible heaters. In my live betting you can shit go again. through incredible heaters because you, cause, cause so much of betting the NBA literally is picking up hot and cold like you literally you pick up hot a hot team you back them for 5 day 5 games in a row you win th- four out of 5 like you fade a team three games in a row you win two out of 3 like that's just kind of the nature of it you catch on to micro trends and what teams are doing what coaches are doing what players are injured and how much that matters you capture appropriately the market doesn't and you win a bunch in a row like that like you you can get into a you know a, a state of life where you're watching you know a coach and you figure out his micro t- trends on when he's pulling his star players at the end of first quarter, and if you can time it right, you can get a live under or a live fade on that team before the two starters come to the bench, uh, and you can you know you can hit some you know you can hit some home runs in the live betting, but it's you're overall you're paying twenty cent lines mostly, uh, and uh, it's real easy to kind of dis. Yeah, at least for me, it was almost impossible to kind of take away the emotional part of it when you have a good read and it doesn't come through live, not to get into a chase situation where you wipe out you know, a week's worth of hard work uh, just on one game that you were certain you had the right read on, and it just ah. continues to be your ass.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think that's good advice for live betting in any sport. While it has its spots, <laughs> and I've... I'm guilty of this especially with football. I live I've I've made two live bets on the Packers game already tonight. So.
2: <laughs> what do so we looking 17-14 no. after the first uh, quarter? Did I see that right by the way?
0: It's a, yeah, yeah, it's still 17-31 in the first quarter. I took uh I took an over after the first touchdown. So I course, I yeah. only need,
1: I only need 47. And Oh, I you one. got this. You got this. So, so you I have like got chances.
0: They still so gotta we're play at, on paper.
2: We're at like an hour 20 right now, I think, and I think, I think a lightning round would benefit us greatly in terms of answering some things that are just like fun, low hanging fruit type stuff. So I just wrote, I just wrote three things down and I'll get, let me get each of your like knee jerk opinions. Uh, So team aside from the warriors that will, that can win the title
1: oh man lightning it's round! round. Snap, lightning you snap round. off. i think Utah the celtics, and Celt- the celtics and the rockets are the only
2: oh don't pick two they couldn't oh, win it's so lame so yeah.
1: they're, they're the only two that can win it
0: i want it i, I want it I on the I record
2: they're they're that i picked utah in the same place isn't that what it is so. uh, utah? okay so i
1: guess go, now, I'll celtics go, celtics now i'll go i'll go with the, i'll go with celtics i'll go
2: yeah i'm i would also go with the celtics uh rookie of the year gun to your head who wins rookie of the year
1: oh wendell carter <laughs> wow! Really? I think his usage is going to be ridiculous. Yeah.
2: Oh my god. Yeah. Well, he is. I guess he is going to start right away, which is a huge improvement. So, Andy, what do you think?
0: Oh, just give me the foreign kid. Doncic,
2: Luka Doncic, yes. Five times is the foreign kid. I'm looking right now. So, uh, so I would, I will, go, uh, done, I will go, so. go. Trey Young will be my pick. So,
1: uh, so basically gross. it. it I going to is, be like off the charts. I, his so. usage is going to be uh, off the charts, but I think he's going to suck. I really so, but do. But like, I but what his, if he sucks? Gonna be
2: But what if he goes like, if he goes like 10 for 40, that's still more field goal makes than everyone else's.
1: That's true. I mean, it's, he he could out volume everyone. It's possible. I I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I'm a little more bullish on the bulls to be honest. You're terrible at lightning rounds. I'll tell you that. I am. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I am. I am. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going.
0: Uh, MVP, Andy. Mm. Just give me, give me the brow.
2: Yeah, I know you're going to say that because you mentioned him earlier.
0: Uh okay, Just, that's fair. He, I mean, he's he's he's, he's the he's guy. guy there. He's the man yeah. there. He's going to get he's going to get sick numbers. You're the man, drive okay.
2: dog. Nice. So. Uh
1: well, I'm going to go Harden repeats.
2: Oh, man.
1: Oh, insert <laughs> the Harden eye roll gif.
2: Well, because uh, because you picked Harden. I also, I also think Harden's probably going to win. I will take Giannis. <laughs> I think it's okay. Harden or Giannis. Okay. And I think okay. there's like a huge gap between those two
1: guys and everybody else. Yes. Um, yeah. G- Giannis wins. I, I it like they want, if if they want, if yes, they want so. a new face, it goes to Giannis. If they honor like the wins and and the statistics that Harden's going to compile, it's got to be Harden. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. So I thought I, Hard- you know Harden, Harden wins the MVP for punching Mellow in the face mid-season. <laughs> <laughs> Voters can't ignore that kind of thing.
1: I like it.
2: So anyway, I thought I thought that would be a good idea just cuz if somebody okay. made it like 90 minutes and we didn't tell them like yeah, actually storyline narrative NBA no, thing. No, that, that,
0: that, no, that well, was good. No, we needed to add that. I guess and yeah. what I want I wanted to close with too is like going through the season um obviously Lockie, I know for sure with your action network stuff but Whale, I'll probably put you on the spot here. What uh what are you going to be doing for what are we going to be looking forward to for articles throughout the NBA season? <laughs> i know i know you'll be doing some stuff like you will are, are you gonna to talk the- about myself maybe
1: yeah yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah I, I can't promise anything i can promise an article that explains my street my like what i'm going to do which is probably just going to republish what i published last year uh and then uh but oh you know what you can see from me for sure like i'm going to keep my database up to date like like i said like i think he Index is important factor and so for that reason I want game-by-game game efficiency matrix I want game-by-game game efficiency metrics and I want to see how those track over the course of the season games and games and things like that And so I'll, I will keep an up-to-date database regularly updated with efficiency Game-by-game game that you can download and and do whatever you want with um, But that's probably all I can promise. How about you lucky?
2: <laughs> uh, well, I'm doing I, it's funny. I said something earlier. I said I'm doing single game NBA betting for the first time. Like that's not entirely true. I mean, like I did bad NBA single game betting for a
0: couple, <laughs> of, I was in college,
2: and I did it a few this years year ago like, off the cuff. But no, looks <laughs> like we listen, have something I would, I would in common. On this, I put money I put money in this not game. I win single game NBA betting. The point is just that I'm actually treating it more like a business and less like something that I do for like five minutes when I'm just effing around looking at stuff. So I, uh, I will be. I will be writing a lot about the NBA, actually, for Action Network. Uh, I think we have, like, actually a pretty good lineup of every big game is going to be covered huge uh, with, with like, a lot of analysis and stuff, ideally from me for part of it, but also just, you know, like, a lot of the season-long stuff I've already written. Uh, you know, updated futures markets is sort of, you know, usually you can catch some pretty good prices in the first month or two of the season. It's kind of like baseball that way where... Everybody just wants to kind of wait to make sure teams are good, but if you're seeing sort of some indicators that teams might be a lot better than you think, and you want to get grab prices, so I'll be writing a lot about that kind of stuff, which I've done for a while. But, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big season.
1: I'm pretty excited. I love it. Let's wrap this up and get it up for the people. Yeah, Watch some football.
0: Thank you for giving us some time tonight, Lockie. It was yeah, awesome. I appreciate you, man. We, we talked about this all last week, and we just tried to make time for this to at least do something to preview the NBA. So hopefully people took something away from this. As always, hit us up. Maybe not me so much. Hit me up if you have something fun. <laughs> if you actually want to get a answer at an NBA, hit up one of these guys. Read Lockie's stuff this year. He's, he's always putting up good articles that have insight plus if you want some picks there's always gonna be some picks in there he's he is uh I'm, i don't know if i want to call you a volume guy Dude. yeah i
2: mean <laughs> uh, if makes, you, once we get in the nhl yeah, props then you'll see what a volume yeah, guy i am yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, I mean, nhl props are about to get really aggressive I, about two I, 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 love mean, it. I think
0: there's, there's a negative connotation to volume guy but you, you do make if you sure. have edges, you, you play. Them.
2: That's what you do. Yeah, it doesn't matter how yeah, many you edges. Pl- you perfect, play
0: so. you play all your edges and I like that. So yeah. perfect. All right, guys. Well, let's call our day and we'll uh get back to baseball and football tonight. We got a lot going all on right. still.
1: We gotta decide is CJ Bethard good. Or the Packers defense is
0: not.
1: Holy shit, man. It's 21, twenty. 21, twenty. Six minutes. Oh, shit, we got a periscope to do here in a bit. I know, we gotta get the periscope fired. Okay. All right. Locky, thank you, man. Thank you yep. for carrying us through the NBA preview. That was super fun talking about that. And uh as the uh as the interesting nuggets unfold in the NBA, well, I'm sure we'll do more of these. So we'll ask you back on for sure.
0: I, l- I love the idea of that mid season wind total. Oh, thing. hell yes. Hell <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> it's only four months away. You can you can almost smell it, you know.
0: I can taste those wins. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right, guys. Thanks. Take it easy. Bye bye.